I agree, and I, I'm still hung up on cilantro and coriander being interchangeable terms. I'm like, is coriander just dried cilantro? <laughs> like, Hello, and welcome back to the Commerce Collective podcast brought to you by Flywheel. My name is Emma Irwin, and I'm a senior editor and specialist, and I was today years old when I learned that cilantro and coriander come from the same plant. Anyways, happy new year. It may be a new year, but it's still the same old me. I know you're not really allowed to say Happy New Year anymore, but I haven't said it to you yet, and I am the writer of this podcast, so I get to make the rules here. Today's episode is fitting for starting a year fresh. I have a guest here who is going to help us break down three of our forecasted digital retail trends for 2024 from the Flywheel Retail Insights team. And if you want to access the other five trends, guess what? You have to be a Flywheel Retail Insights subscriber. And if you're not already, oh my gosh, you are missing out on industry-leading research, market and growth sizing, tracking and monitoring of the different markets, and unmatched data-driven storytelling for your brand. Getting in touch if this interests you is so easy. You can literally reach out directly to me or you can contact us via the link in this episode's description. Enough of me. Let's meet our guest. So I'm Flo Wright. I lead Digital Insights for the Retail Insight team here at Flywheel. So we help our clients who are mainly brands, but also retailers with their digital commerce strategies and really understanding future retail trends. So we help them in terms of go-to-market strategies. So understanding, you know, the retailers or the markets or the trends to be investing in for the future, but also how to win. So the capabilities that they need to succeed within digital commerce. Perfect. And I'm going to, this is a question we ask everyone, but I'd love to know what the last thing you purchased online is. And it can be from any retailer. A lot of people choose Amazon if that's where you shop the most, but I am curious. Last thing purchased online. Okay. So I think the last thing I purchased was something really boring. I just do an online grocery shop every week. So that was on a cardo. But I have also done a very recent purchase on TikTok Shop, Whoa. which was the first time I've ever shopped on TikTok Shop. I don't know. Have you shopped there before? I've only like looked around. I've never actually purchased something. Yeah. So we're actually writing a report on TikTok Shop at the moment. So I kind of did it as a bit of a test, but also I've heard a lot about these heatless hair curlers. I don't know if you've seen them. I've heard about this. I've seen loads of influencers using them and other people, but it's like this long silky hair thing that you put in your hair you can like wear it overnight and then the idea is you wake up with like very bouncy curls without having to use a hair curler or any heat so um yeah what really surprised me was the price of these hair curlers they were <laughs> I'm a bit embarrassed to say 56p that's wow <laughs> <laughs> wow crazy did they work I haven't used them yet so okay I don't know. But I thought, well, they're going to whack on like a huge delivery charge because it's coming from China. But it was free. It was free delivery for 56p. <laughs> oh, my god! So I gosh. thought, I've got nothing to lose. Who knows if it will work? Sounds like only the seller has money to lose in that kind of setup. Yeah, exactly. I don't think anyone's making any money from that. But I guess that shows how much they're kind of striving for new customers and to get people on board. Crazy. Yeah, I think... Like I'm part of Gen Z and I have a feeling we'll adopt TikTok shop. I think it's going to take a little bit, but like the way we adopted Shein and retailers like that, like I think it's coming. We'll get there. Yeah, eventually. Okay. One more question before we actually dig into what we're talking about, but I'm going to plant it in your head now and we will wrap it up 
finishing the episode with the question, but something that lives on your digital wish list, which just means that it like lives in a tab in a cart somewhere digitally and you never actually purchase it. And at the end, we will cover why, if that sounds good to you. Okay. Do you want me to share it now? Nope. You have to wait until the okay, end. <laughs> <laughs> now let's really get into the meat of this episode. Float is going to cover three digital retail trends for this year, those being omni-channel, generative AI, and social commerce. I know, I know you've heard of these before, but we're here to offer you some fresh perspectives. First, I need to know why Flow chose these three to focus on today. Yeah, I think at this time of year in particular, we can be like inundated with different trend predictions. It can be a little bit overwhelming understanding, you know, what's actually going to take, where should I invest? I've only got a limited budget. So the ones that I've actually selected today to talk about, I would say they're not brand new. They're actually more a continuation of what we've seen building already in 2023. And I think that's probably quite an important distinction to make because consumers don't really change their behaviour overnight anyway, unless, of course, you know, something like a pandemic, which we didn't see coming happens. So, yeah, these trends are more a continuation of what we've seen building. And I think in 2024, they will be significant in terms of their scale. So in terms of the number of retailers investing in them and the breadth of markets that we see these trends building across, but also in terms of the impact or the opportunity for brands to leverage these trends to drive some growth in 2024. All right, we're moving into trend number one, Omnichannel. Now, Omnichannel is not new. We know this, but something cool about society over time is that the definition of words can evolve, and Omnichannel is the perfect example of this. Let's hear about how Flow is looking at Omnichannel retail for this year and beyond. Omnichannel has definitely been around for a while. Uh, it's not new. It is a buzzword. It means a lot of different things to different people. I think in the simplest sense, we talk about the coming together of in-store and online channels. So, you know, a click and collect order, for example, where a shopper might discover and purchase something online, but then go into the store and pick it up. So that's like Omnichannel 101. That's not necessarily what I'm thinking about for 2024. I think where we're moving towards and where we need to move towards is this more holistic view of the shoppers. So we're thinking omnichannel as consumer first, as opposed to the fulfillment model or the channel in which it happens. So as a shopper, I've got all of my past purchase history. I will visit so many different touch points across my path to purchase. So I might be watching TV. I will visit a retailer app. I might go on social media. I might speak to a home assistant like an Amazon Alexa. I personally won't, but I know some shoppers will play games and things like that. So there's so many different touch points across this path to purchase these days. And I think that's the way that we should be thinking about Omnichannel in 2024, understanding that consumer holistically across all of those different touch points. And I guess, you know, the question for retailers and for brands is, well, how can I join up all of those touch points in a way that enhances the shopper's experience, but also ultimately drives sales and drives bigger baskets. So yeah, I think that's where we're moving towards. I heard a very interesting term last week that Walmart used to describe Omnichannel. I don't think we need a new term for Omnichannel necessarily, but they talked about adaptive retail and really kind of moving beyond that notion of in-store versus online to adapting to the consumer, creating that really seamless, unified experience for the consumer across all of those different channels. So that's kind of what I mean in terms of omni-channel in 2024. I love 
a line that you said, like thinking about the consumer first versus the fulfillment model or method first. That was pretty good. But you did mention this like joining up of all the different touch points and dots. And I'm curious if you have any more that you can like elaborate on in terms of joining up those dots, because we know that like the large brands that listen to this podcast and that we work with are really invested in joining up the dots so that they can actually measure what consumers are doing. Absolutely. I think it's the visibility into the consumer that's really key here. So understanding that consumer across all of those different touch points is the important bit. So, you know, in an ideal scenario, as a retailer, for example, you would own all of those touch points that I was talking about. So, you know, the TV, the home assistant, the app, the social media. I guess Amazon's probably the closest example that we have to that type of ecosystem. But, you know, for a typical retailer, they're not going to be, the reality is they're not going to be able to own all of those different touch points. So increasingly what we're seeing is retailers building out their ecosystems, building more digital touch points with consumers through partnerships. So just yesterday, for example, we saw Carrefour partnering with Netflix on a partnership. So I think it's about building those digital touch points with the consumer. So you've got that visibility into what they're doing, targeting capabilities and those types of things. And then I guess the other key area here is the data and insights. So more and more retailers we're seeing are building out their first party data sources, getting better at attribution across different channels and and retail media is going to be a key amplifier for that. And, you know, things like closed loop reporting, which we're just starting to see taking off a little bit more. You've got the likes of Walmart doing that already, Carrefour, for example, doing that. Um, So that ability to track shopper behavior across different touch points. And so, for example, determining how a digital ad that a shopper has seen may be impacting sales either digitally or inside the store. That is a key turning point, I think, in terms of that future of omnichannel and understanding the consumer across those different touch points. But it's hard. It sounds pretty hard. That was a lot in <laughs> one sentence for everyone to have to figure out. I am curious, you know, with omnichannel or adaptive retail, as Walmart calls it, ever evolving, what are some of these like key operational elements that brands need to be thinking through as we head further into the year? Yeah, a couple of more operational. I think one, just to begin with, a little bit more strategic is around how brands are setting their organisations up from a structural point of view. It's one that's, I think, talked about a lot, but it's really impossible to execute a truly omnichannel strategy if you've got teams working in silos, if you've got e-commerce maybe bolted onto an in-store strategy. You've got different people reporting different metrics to different teams. So yeah, in the future, I think we will see brands increasingly work towards these more omnichannel organisational structures where the e-commerce teams are more embedded into all of the different functions across the organisation. And linked to that as well is joint business planning. So if a brand is going to speak to a retailer to do like a strategic discussion then who are they bringing to that table is it just your key account manager or actually do you now need marketing in the room to discuss retail media and do you need to take that kind of e-commerce digital first conversation to the retailer and I've heard retailers asking brands for that more and more the digital first discussion so I think that's like a starting point and then in terms of some more I guess, tactical things for brands to think about in terms of omnichannel. One that we are talking about a lot is embracing the physical store as a digital asset. So what I mean by that is 
we're seeing more and more retailers integrating these digital touch points inside the store. So one of the big trends at the moment is in-store retail media. So digital screens, digital signage, digital end caps, but also retailers embracing things like the mobile experience inside the store and other types of digital touch points, like even smart carts, for example, with the screens that Instacart's rolling out at the moment. And this I think holds a lot of opportunity for brands to really connect and engage with shoppers on more of that personal level inside the store as they have been doing already, you know, online. So as a brand, I'd be thinking about how can I create an in-store strategy for my digital shelf, essentially. So, you know, thinking about how a shopper might be engaging with my digital content or even my product description pages now inside the store on their mobile phone or on a digital end cap. So I think that's, you know, going to be a key thing and also, you know, a way for brands to drive more engagement with shoppers, drive impulse purchasing. Creating an in-store strategy for your digital shelf. <laughs> Whoa. On this topic, did you know that we actually have a whole episode on in-store retail media published on our feed? You should absolutely go back and listen to it if this conversation has been interesting for you. Just saying. Okay, let's move on to trend number two, generative AI. Maybe your eyes and ears are now more open, maybe you've now rolled your eyes, but we're going to talk about it. Gen AI was a huge point of discussion last week at CES, so we know it's not going anywhere. But where is it going? I just don't think it's going to go away this year. If anything, it's just going to build and build in 2024. There's so many different elements to consider in terms of generative AI. I would say there's maybe two things to think about and plan for for 2024. So the first is just the increased scale of adoption of generative AI tools across the retail landscape. And we can think about that in two ways. So firstly, consumer experience tools. So these are tools that maybe will create a more personalized experience for the shopper, particularly online. So we're seeing more and more of these personalized type chatbots that are emerging on retailer websites that can speak to consumers in a little bit more of a natural way or AI powered search experiences where shoppers can maybe type in missions as opposed to individual products. Me again. I wanted to add in here for my fellow Americans that when Flo uses the word mission, she's referencing a more discovery-focused search versus a product-focused search. Say, searching for a Super Bowl party versus the individual products to actually throw a party. I know you probably put that together, but I'm not going to lie, I did have to pause and think. Another great example of how the meanings of words differ throughout society. One of my predictions for this year was that Walmart was going to roll out something like that, but they've already done it and announced it at CES. So that's one down already. But I think that's really interesting in terms of the brand implications because it really turns the digital shelf on its head in terms of the way in which brands have traditionally bidded for search terms. So a shopper traditionally would input a particular product into the search bar and a brand would be thinking, you know, how can I win search for that particular search term? But now it's really, how can I win a mission or how can I win a recipe? And understanding all of the new data that's potentially coming out of these types of chatbots and AI-powered search experiences. So I don't really know what the answer is yet for brands in terms of how you win that mission. But what I would say is probably a good starting point is understanding what new data you've got coming out of some of these 
these new tools. So, you know, where in the past you might be pulling off all of the top search terms on Amazon and then using that for your search strategy. Now you might be pulling off all of the missions or the things that shoppers are typing into these personalized chatbots to really understand that type of consumer behavior and this consumer journey and how you can maybe show up within those those new types of missions. So that's the consumer experience tools. And then the other area that we're seeing a lot of focus on, and I think will continue to grow this year, is more of the retailer and brand tools. So these are tools that will maybe drive efficiencies for retailers and brands, particularly on the digital shelf. So, for example, creating content for product description pages or these tools that can summarize thousands of reviews within one summary, like Amazon's doing. I just think we can expect to see more of that from retailers and brands going forwards because it has potential to save a lot of time, which is a key win there. And then just one more thing on Gen AI is, as well as the scale for 2024, I also think that we will see more sophistication because at the moment we're seeing loads of different pilots being rolled out or loads of different tests popping up around the world. And I just think the technology at the moment is still nowhere near to reaching its potential. I've done quite a lot of different tests for these personalised chatbots and sometimes the things that come out are really not quite relevant or, you know, not as you'd expect. So, you know, an example on Carrefour's got a chatbot called Hoppler. And if you type in something quite simple like, can I have a, a recipe for a stir fry? The search results, for example, that I was getting, I think one of the ingredients was coriander. And which is, what's that in the US? Is it cilantro? Like the green leafy one? Yeah. Okay. I think it's cilantro Cilantro. in the US. Yeah. Yeah. Just so you can, you know, visualize that. That came out as the ingredient, but the product they were recommending as part of that recipe was a coriander and spinach falafel. So it wasn't the actual product that was in the the recipe. (laughs) That's the type of thing that you do find if you test with a lot of these types of chatbots is sometimes the results are not quite what you're looking for. And so, yeah, I just think that these intelligent engines are still being refined. What's quite interesting is that they're kind of reliant on consumers to get better because you need consumers to type in those queries to build that data for those machines to get better. But at the same time, consumers are only going to use them if they are useful. So it's a little bit of chicken and egg, you know, what's going to happen first. But I I do think we'll see more sophistication in 2024. I agree. And I, I'm still hung up on cilantro and coriander being <laughs> interchangeable terms. I'm like, is coriander just dried cilantro? <laughs> like, Hey, it's me again. And this is really important. In the US, cilantro is in fact the green leafy plant. And then coriander is the seed of the plant that we use as a dried spice. But in the UK, it's all just coriander or coriander seeds. Cilantro is the Spanish name for the leaves of a coriander plant. Except it actually has a fancy science name too. Besides the point. Did you also know that the leaves and stalk have a totally different nutrient profile than the seeds? Cilantro is higher in vitamins, but coriander is higher in minerals. And obviously they taste totally different. Moral of the story is that when Flo was told she knew coriander for a stir fry, a falafel as the product output was not going to help much. I think a falafel would probably fall apart in a stir fry. Emma's podcast journal entry number one for the year, complete. How do I bring us back from this? Okay, yeah, I remember. We're talking about generative AI being used to drive the results that retailer search engines use and how we're looking forward to seeing more sophistication in this space. And I just want to hone in on the magnitude of what this change could be, because if search engines do really learn how to spit out relevant products for more discovery-focused consumer journeys, 
That fundamentally shifts how brands pick what keywords to play on, which brings us all the way back to Mastering Metail Media 101. And oh wow, what if we have to remake this whole series? Hey, at least that means I get to keep my job. Again, I have diverged from the topic at hand, so I'm just gonna cut back to Flo and I. I'm curious what recommendations you have for brands that may be lagging in regards to generative AI. Yeah, so I guess there's quite a lot of uncertainty at the moment from brands in terms of, you know, should we be investing? Is the investment going to pay off? And that's understandable because it's so new. One thing I would say for brands who maybe aren't investing at the moment or don't feel ready to is maybe just have a look at what others are doing at the moment. Sometimes it's very useful to see examples of how other brands are utilising these types of tools. And we track loads of different case studies at Retail Insights. And of course, if listeners are interested in these case studies, reach out to us and we'll get you in touch with our experts within the Flywheel Retail Insights team. Let's move on to trend number three, which is social commerce. Yes. So I think 2024 will be a very big year for social commerce. In particular, in-app social shopping will be an interesting area to watch. And what I mean by in-app social shopping is you know, me going to TikTok shop, for example, and purchasing directly within that platform, as opposed to being influenced by a TikTok video and then going onto Amazon and purchasing there or another retail platform. In markets like the US and the UK, this in-app social shopping is very much still in the emerging stages. But if you look to, for example, China, where this is a lot more advanced, these platforms are becoming retailers in and of themselves. So we're doing some sizing work actually at the moment on Doyin, which is the TikTok equivalent in China. And honestly, the size that it's managed to amass in the space of a few years is is really incredible. It would rank within like the top five online retailers globally. So these platforms are becoming very, very significant in terms of the size and the scale. And I do think they are well, have int- intentions to build out more commerce capabilities and keep more spend within their own ecosystems. And we're also starting to see that in terms of retail partnerships. So for example, Amazon partnering with Meta last year is quite a good example of this because now if you're on Instagram in the US and you see an Amazon ad, you can link your Amazon store to Instagram and check out on Amazon, but all within the Instagram app itself. So it's really um, narrowing that path to purchase. So, yeah, I think we could expect to see a little bit more of this this year. Perhaps a partnership between TikTok and a major retailer. Maybe Walmart would be my guess, but who knows? So, yeah, I think this is going to be really interesting to watch going forwards. There, There is this debate or question around, are these social platforms actually going to be sales channels for brands or are they more of a advertising and awareness channel? And I think that's a very valid question. Probably the answer is is somewhere in between. But regardless of where the actual sale is taking place, I think the thing for brands to think about is how influential are these platforms in terms of that consumer landscape. So you know, TikTok now has over 1 billion users worldwide. So that would make it like the third largest country in the world, I think, after India and China. So it's a huge captive audience on these platforms. Um, So, you know, as a brand, I guess you should be starting to think about, you know, what strategies do you have to to win in terms of some of these platforms? For sure. And you mentioned just like TikTok being super influential, which makes me think, of course, the one thing this podcast has taught me to think about is always how do you measure 
these things. And so in terms of like measurement and attribution, like how do you measure influence and all of the things that are going on with TikTok? Like what is your advice for brands trying to understand how much or what to invest within a social commerce app when there is still the question of like, is this a channel for sales or is it a channel for awareness? I think that's one of the challenges that we hear from brands a lot is how do we build a business case even to invest when we don't know how many of our sales are coming from social or being influenced by social and that is a a major gap and I, I honestly don't think that we'll be in a position next year where that has been solved there is progress being made in, in different ways. So, you know, retailers like Amazon, for example, now are able to offer attribution across channels like social. So it'll be able to tell you, you know, if you've put an ad on social and a sale has happened on Amazon, if that is the case. And I think we will see kind of more progress here. I guess just thinking about it from another perspective my question would be for brands is you know what's the risk if you don't invest so even if you don't necessarily know where you're converting that consumer what could you be missing in terms of a potential sale if you're not on some of these platforms and we see through things like the search terms on Amazon how big some of these trends on social can be in terms of driving traffic or driving sales on retail platforms for sure okay second to last question for you which of these three trends are you looking the most forward to watching for the rest of the year? I think generative AI, just because it's quite new and there's so many different outcomes that we could see at the end of 2024. I would also say like from a more of a personal perspective, what would I as a consumer be looking forward to? And I think, you know, like a selfish perspective, I would love generative AI to just transform my online grocery shop that I was talking about at the beginning. So like still, I find that process still a very clunky, time consuming process. And like the way that I would do it is, I don't know if this is how everyone else shops for their grocery shop every week, but I will plan like what meals we're having. And then I will go onto the the website and go like into the different categories and select the products individually or search them in the search bar and select them individually. And that, while that might make sense in a store to have like navigation aisle by aisle or category by category, it doesn't necessarily make sense for me on the digital shelf because I'm thinking like recipes or different missions um, as opposed to the location of the category. So yeah, for a generative AI tool to be able to miraculously understand what I like cooking, what I purchase every week, and then come up with some kind of weekly shop that is then directly added to my basket, that for me is going to be very, very useful. So I would love to see something like that happening by the end of 2024. Yeah. Do you have any like fear associated with generative AI? What if it goes too far? Yes, I have thought about that a lot. And all of this data that these retailers are potentially collecting on us. And like the other thing I was thinking is all of these personal assistants that are being built at the moment or these chatbots, like in the future, are they actually just going to become redundant because they're going to be so good at understanding what you want and understanding your needs that they'll just be able to come up with all of those products for you without having to have that like intermediary interaction with you engaging with them at all it's kind of a little bit like what walmart's getting at with its in-home replenishment fair enough okay we're coming back to your digital wish list something that just lives in a cart forever and ever that you won't actually purchase and why 
Well, the past few weeks anyway in my cart has been I'm looking for a new pair of like walking shoes, walking boots because my current ones are they just need binning basically. They've got holes in them. So, I have got my eye on a pair of Salomon trainers which are they're practical, they're walking trainers, but they're also very nice and stylish. So, I feel like they would be a good like halfway house between walking shoes but also you can probably wear them more like every day as well. So yeah, but they've been in my basket for a few weeks now. I don't know if I will actually check out or not. You'll have to let me know if you do because I love I love Solomon shoes. Yeah. I'm a big fan. I've seen them everywhere, so. And with that, we have made it to the end of this episode of the Commerce Collective podcast. Hopefully you're feeling a bit more confident in what you can expect to see as we get going into this new year and at the bare minimum, you at least learned something about cilantro and coriander. There's no way you didn't. Again, If you're interested in learning more about the capabilities and offerings from our Retail Insights team, reach out to me or head to the link in the episode description to get in touch. I'm Emma Irwin, I've been your host, and we'll see you next time.